rewind about three years ago where the leverage was a little bit different. Like the employers had the leverage as far as simple supply and demand. You put an open job out there and you usually get applicants and it was fairly easy to fill positions. Fast forwarding to the present day, it's just supply and demand has flip-flopped. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Seth Heckerman of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today my co-host is Todd Miller, president of Isaiah Industries. Our goal here at Construction Disruption is to provide timely and forward-looking information regarding the construction world. We have great conversations spanning innovations, as well as trends and practices, building materials, the labor market, and leadership. Today's guest is Sam Byler, CEO and co-founder of BoostPoint, a social media ad creation platform for recruiters, contractors, and other small businesses. Sam, welcome to Construction Disruption. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Sam, we've known you for a little while. Uh, originally met back in your Equipter days. Yeah, yeah. And I've watched you, yeah, set out and start and grow BoostPoint in recent years. To begin, though, for our listeners who, who haven't met you, share a little bit about your story and how then you became passionate about social media advertising. I'll try to give the, the concise version of it. <laughs> um, but I, I grew up in the construction industry. Um, my, my dad, you know, started a roofing company back in the 80s, and that's what I was doing, like coming out of high school and stuff. And then the equipter part of my story and kind of where I fit into to that company there was as dad was coming up with the idea of the equipter. And for those that aren't familiar with the equipter, it's like a self-propelled roofing trailer, construction trailer that helps, especially with debris management in the roofing industry is where it's used mostly. So that company started, you know, early 2000s. And, and you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in my career. It's like, hey, here's, you know, family business, you know, start working there. And late teen years, like 18, 19, you know, start getting a little bit interested in like more business side of things, sales, marketing. So spent about a two year stint in sales and um, learned a, a ton there. Naturally, I'm, I'm kind of a, an introvert and that kind of got me out of my introvert box, <laughs> um, which was a really good and painful experience. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it definitely helped hone some of the things that I you know, even retain today. But then the thing we were trying to figure out back, oh man, this would have been you know, seven, eight years ago, after we really had product market fit at Equipter, you know, great customer reviews, the product was getting close to perfected. I mean, no product's ever perfect. They're always making improvements even, even on the Equipter today, but you know, it was, it was there. And the challenge was, hey, how do we get this in the hand of more contractors? You know, just that that simple question. You know, the sales model is direct to end user, so it's not necessarily like a, a dealership network, like some trailer manufacturers or car dealerships. A bit more like the Tesla model, direct to consumer. And so, marketing is something we had experimented with different types of tactics and stuff like that, and had nothing like really clicked. We knew we had an idea that could scale, but you know, nothing really just made that happen like like we were anticipating. So I started being more curious around marketing and advertising. 
then took over the marketing department, built the marketing team from scratch. You know, this was again about seven, eight years ago, and really started leaning into more modern ways of advertising. I mean, like this, the simple frame of mind where I was at, there was like, hey, we have a limited budget, but how do we spend the least amount of dollars to get in front of the most amount of people, our ideal client? And so we had done like, you know, trade shows, a lot of more traditional types of advertisings and not so much on the, the digital side. And then, you know, this was right when Facebook started becoming a thing for businesses. It was like still new to have a Facebook business page and stuff. Long story short, we really leaned into that and that really helped grow our brand nationally. And I mean, we went and grew super rapidly kind of on the backs of some of those newer um, methods of marketing and advertising. And then fast forwarding a little bit kind of on the backs of some of that success that we saw with our own company, just saw a big gap in the construction industry as a whole for adapting to newer methods of advertising and started seeing like some of the the holes and the reasons why. I mean, practically like for, you know, a lot of construction companies, it's like, you know, I, I don't really have the knowledge or even the desire to learn some of these newer methods or maybe the confidence or budget to go to a larger marketing agency to figure it out for me. And that was then the light bulb moment of Boost Point where it's like, hey, I'll, I feel like we can solve this problem through technology and software. And then so that put me on the journey of founding Boost Point. Very cool. Well, yeah, what an incredible example of what the power of good marketing and tapping into those new kind of forward-thinking options are with equippers. Like, it seems like every roofer in the country now has one or is envious of those roofers that do. So it's incredible how that growth has been. What's that been like for your family? Family business for 30 years and, you know, roofing, and then all of a sudden happened into, not happened, worked really hard to get into this and, and the success that's come. Amazing. It's been a really great journey. It's one of those, one of the things I love about America and the entrepreneurial journey that's available for anyone. And I feel uh, like my dad was really able to lean into that and really build something really great and bring the family into that. And it's been a great experience. Yep. Well, I mean, really, if you talk about disruptors, the equipter has been a huge disruptor in the roofing industry. It really has. So uh, kudos to your family. It has. And I think I think some of that gave me, I wasn't necessarily one of those entrepreneurs that grew up 10, 15 years old selling stuff and like, oh, I want to start a business someday um, and that type of story. But it just kind of grew on me. And it's like, I see it's, it's the environment that I've always been in. And so the idea to start a software company, it definitely felt like risk and all the things related to starting a business, but it seemed kind of normal <laughs> just because of like, you know, that's, that's what I've experienced and seen other people do around me. Sure. Well, yeah, being so close to the power of an idea and what can happen gives you all the more confidence, I'm sure. And uh, why not your idea then? That's awesome. And yeah, these two introverts here commiserate with you and the need to the, being forced to break that box when you have to go out and sell something. So you have no other choice. <laughs> no other choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
so I knew uh, Boost Point originally founded as this platform for you know small businesses, home service companies to generate consumer leads. But watching you the last couple of years, there's been this pivot to leveraging that software and, and technology and expertise to help those same companies and others solve the skilled labor shortage. So tell us how that happened and, and what that looks like then today. Yeah. So when we founded Boostpoint about three and a half years ago, like our mission was to solve some of the biggest growth problems for companies. And at that point, you know, when you talk to the average construction company or company as a whole, the biggest barrier to growth was, hey, I need more customers. Like we need to build revenue. And then this thing called COVID happened <laughs> and kind of flipped the labor market as we know it. And then we just started hearing from our customers and other companies. It's like the biggest barrier to growth changed from I need more customers to I need more workers. And so we we listened to that and, and we were like, hey, we feel like our platform can solve that problem as well. And so, I mean, there was just kind of a chain of events that kind of led us to really leaning into that primarily. I really believe it as a brand, as a company, like you want to do one thing better than everybody else versus trying to do, you know, five different things kind of, you know, okay-ish. And so we decided it was about a year, year and a half ago that after we, you know, saw some success with companies leveraging our platform for talent acquisition, we were like, hey, this is what we're going to lean into and build the company around and, and tackle this problem, the labor shortage problem, and how companies can leverage social media platforms, advertising to help solve that. Awesome. So what are some of the details? What does that look like? And it's on the nuts and bolts of how Boost Points helps. And would love to hear like a case study or story about what that is uh, meant for one of your clients. I may preface it with kind of what I've seen happen in the labor field. You rewind about three years ago where it was just the leverage was a little bit different. Like the employers kind of had had the leverage, you know, as far as simple supply and demand. You know, you, you put a, an open job out there and you usually get applicants and, you know, it was fairly easy, not not always, but like to fill positions. It wasn't, you know, for the most part, it was you put the word out there and organically you could often fill positions. Um, fast forwarding to the present day, it's just supply and demand has flip-flopped. And so it's just harder, which means you need to get in front of prospective employees sooner. And because like people aren't searching online job boards like they used to. You know, it used to be like, you know, five years ago, hey, you need to fill your positions, throw something on Indeed, throw something, you know, maybe on your website and you'd get a bunch of applicants and you could, you know, filter through those and find a couple key good employees where that's not the reality anymore. So what we found through leveraging Facebook, Instagram, and the advertising platform of these the most cost-effective way, get in front of your prospective employees even before they're searching for a new job. The reality is that 73% of candidates are in this category of passive candidates. So they're not actively searching job boards like Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and other platforms. But if they'd be presented with an opportunity, they'd seriously consider it. And that's often where some of your 
best employees are, you know, where they're already working, maybe they're not even looking for a new opportunity. But then the big question for companies is how do we get in front of those people? And so that's where our platform really comes in. So as far as like the practical, like how we jump in and help uh, HR team or talent acquisition team or whoever manages hiring for a company can uh, easily jump into our platform and create their own talent acquisition and recruiting ads on Facebook and Instagram without having a ton of like previous like Facebook ads experience or marketing experience as a whole. And our platform, you know, within five, 10 minutes, you can launch a very targeted job ad um, targeting the right people. And then also uh, like attracting those people to apply. And then we also have a, a messaging component, automated like text messaging to engage candidates as they're coming in. Cause then the second thing is like, all right, now that you've increased your applicant flow, with qualified candidates, how do you connect with them quickly, engage with them, you know, schedule interviews and ultimately get them higher. So our platform helps, you know, attracting, but then also, you know, through the hiring journey to connecting with the candidates and applicants to ultimately get them hired. Wow. That's powerful. That stat, 73% are passive job seekers. That's, you know, changes the perspective for sure. Yeah, it's huge. Like one example of a client we just talked to this week, they just started on our platform like three, four weeks ago, I believe. And they had, they were kind of like banging their heads up against their wall because Indeed was the big source that they were leveraging prior and just applicant flow just was declining and declining and getting more and more expensive to uh, attract applicants to their open positions and they started with our platform and within the first two weeks, they were able to generate over 70 applicants and filled their three to five positions that were most urgent within the first two, three weeks. And so it's been a really fun experience, you know, solving this problem for a lot of different companies. Yeah, that's awesome. It was Frank Farmer, a past guest on the podcast and, and one of our dealers who also is a consultant for home improvement companies. Uh, he had a webinar last week about his hiring and recruiting practices. And he made the point, similar point, that your ideal candidate is not out there looking for a job. They're looking for someone else. And, you know, the Wall Street Journal, this either this morning or yesterday, had a, an article with the headline, pretty much, you have to try really hard to get fired these days. <laughs> and so it's becoming, not only are they not looking, but, you know, even so, they're in such dire need that, uh, the good ones are definitely out there employed and people are holding on to them. So you have to break through and get that message proactively in front of them like you're helping people do. It's crazy. Just like like some of the stats behind what we feel every day in the hiring market is, I mean, you rewind about a year ago, there were about 7 million job openings in the U.S. Fast forwarding to now, there's, I believe, over 11 million was March or April's numbers. And unemployment is down to about 3.7%. And pre-COVID unemployment was 3.5% uh, unemployment. So it's just like, those are the numbers that behind what we experience every day that makes it difficult to find key employees. Yeah, no doubt. So as you're in the trenches with these clients, it's a challenge for every organization, regardless of the quality of your organization currently. But I'm curious, as you're in the trenches working with them trying to solve this problem, what has distinguished those that have been more successful than others? Are there some key characteristics or practices for those that are making their way through? First of all, mindset shift. 
the employers that still have this mindset of we have the leverage, like we're the best company, people should just be you know knocking on our door to work for us because we're better than everybody else. That's just no longer the case where really you need to think about it more like you think about marketing and advertising for attracting customers, you know, and think about it more in that way. It's like, what types of strategies and resources do you put behind customer acquisition and kind of build those, the easiest way to maybe communicate it is like, hey, if you have a a pretty complex and robust sales strategy, you know, map that now to your recruiting strategy. You know, you need to figure out how to get in front of prospective employees, how to get them to apply, how to engage with them and actually have a real conversation with them, and then how to ultimately hire them and attract them to and retain them as as workers. But that's kind of the the easiest like parallel I think for our audience that would make sense. It's like, hey, think about how do how do you attract customers in your sales funnel and just create a version of that for recruiting. Sure. It's long been said the most valuable uh, asset a company has is a lead. You know, now though, in today's day and age, people are even more scarce and uh, we need to figure it out. So that's a great advice. So as people dive into Boost Point and changing that mindset, understanding they need to have that proactive marketing and outreach strategy, what what are some of the best practices you've seen of crafting that ad, positioning that ad, what platforms, what have you seen work the best? There's a lot of different channels out there. And when you think of traditional media, digital media, and all of that, and the reason we really leaned into the Facebook and Instagram platforms is because those are currently like still the most affordable platforms to get like meaningful impressions for most industries. And so, I mean, you just look at the active user base, it's two thirds of the US population that still has a active Facebook account, over a billion active users on Instagram. And so it's like, those are still like, there's still older platforms. There's some newer platforms coming up, you know, TikTok, Snapchat and stuff like that. But as far as the right here, right now, where you're going to get the best bang for your buck is, is still the Facebook and Instagram platforms. So, so it's first of all, just defining the platforms that you feel are best for your company, but then it's again thinking strategically kind of like you do about, you know, customer marketing and advertising. It's like you need to be creative with the types of, you know, ads you're putting out there. Like instead of just copying and pasting a job description, you know, over to a Facebook ad, you know, think about like, all right, someone's going to be on their lunch break scrolling through Facebook and what's going to attract that person? You know, what type of headlines, ad copy, um, you know, more more writing it in a way of instead of, hey, these are all the things that are required for the position. It's more, hey, what are the things that are attractive about the position and write more about that versus like traditional like job descriptions where it's more, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to have these requirements and you know those things. And then secondarily, it's, it's understanding what's the least amount of friction where you can still qualify applicants. Like some people think, oh, any platform, you just throw something out there and people will just start responding, you know, regardless of, of like what conversion method you're using. And so what we found work really well is leveraging 
Facebook and Instagram's internal conversion pages, you know, think about just the details of conversions. Like if your call to action is to call this number or go to this website and find our careers page, you probably won't receive any applicants because it's just too much friction. Again, think about someone on lunch break scrolling through their Facebook page. Like, are they, are they going to actually call somebody and have a conversation? Like just the way people communicate are different these days. And we need to think about that even with recruiting. Again, some sort of like quick apply experience for the conversion. And then ultimately it's like, you need to connect with these people as soon as possible. It's just the same. Like, I know we know this all like in lead generation with connecting with customers. It's like, you know, if you're following up with your leads the next day or two days later, they're basically dead. You know, but if you can connect with them within minutes of converting, that's when you actually have a real chance of making a meaningful connection with a lead. And it's just the same with candidates and applicants applying for your open positions. Sure. Yeah, it becomes it's more and more obvious how parallel this uh, mindset needs to be. So write an ad that either gains them pleasure or helps them avoid pain and what's in it for them. And then, yeah, get in touch with them quickly and easily. Yep, that's it. That's it. Excellent. As someone signs up with Boost Pointer, I imagine that your team helps your clients along through this process. So I'm curious, what does that customer experience look like for a small business working with Boost Point? And what does that relationship look like? You know, once someone is like, hey, you know, that this seems like it might be a good fit for us, you know, we, you can go to boostpoint.com, find out about it, maybe schedule a demo. But then if someone is, you know, engages with us, like, hey, we, we have open positions that we need to fill. So we have, first of all, a a platform you know that we've built we are a software company that is super user friendly you create an account and it's pretty self-explanatory you know just leveraging the software and the platform itself but then we do have a customer success team as well that does a hand we have a custom onboarding experience you know we help even tailor some of your first ad templates you know hey show us some of your job descriptions We'll go ahead and write several ads for you so that you're well equipped for with even high converting ads. But it's pretty simple. It's like, you know, getting your ads live as soon as possible and making sure you're equipped with the knowledge to to do this on you a continual basis and to ultimately be successful with our platform. Awesome. I know definitely of interest and a huge value to many of the people who are listening and uh, hope they hope they reach out to start that conversation diving back into your story of starting Boost Point, I'm sure it's been quite the adventure of, of diving into this, setting out, starting a business, all while you still have a young family at home, I know. So looking back on the last three and a half years, you know, what have you learned founding and running a startup? And what advice would you have for another young person considering some sort of entrepreneurial pursuit? Awesome. Yeah, I love this question. It's, I mean, it's definitely something that's like really close to my heart as far as like entrepreneurism, like starting a business myself, you know, going through all those emotional highs and lows of the, the continual place. Like you never really get out of that phase, I don't think, <laughs> in a business. Like I even look at my dad and their business. It's like you, no matter what, you'll have up and ups and downs and it's not just the, the start of a business. But I do think it is a little concentrated within the first several years of starting a business. Maybe a couple of things of advice is like, you, before you start a business, you, you want to make sure you're a master of your craft and really providing serious value and not just 
in love with the idea of starting a business. I do appreciate the education and the excitement around entrepreneurism. Like I talked to you know people that were starting businesses 20 years ago, and it wasn't like the cool thing to start a business, you know. So I do appreciate that, but I think some of the things that I would caution with that is like some people start businesses simply because of that, simply because of they're in love with the idea of starting a business versus actually being a master at their craft and spending the time to learn that and how to provide that in a product or a service before they actually launch a company. Great advice not to knock anyone, but like Grant Cardone just tells you to go out and do it. And there are some elements, though, of you want to make sure you have something to go out and do and can do it, do it well before you dive into that deep end, I'm sure. You do. You need both of those things. Like You need to have the guts to jump off a cliff and figure it out on the way down, but you do need to know what you're doing <laughs> you know, and have a strategy around that to actually build something meaningful. I'm curious, Sam, are there any books you've read or people you've followed or podcasts you listen to or anything that have helped give you some inspiration, encouragement, ideas along the way? I'm not an avid reader. I will be completely honest about that. Uh -huh. But I feel sometimes we need to consume content or be around people that get us outside of our the limitations of our own mindset sometimes. And I think back of like, you know, four or five years ago, there were some particular things that I know changed my mindset and sparked some of those ideas. Like practically what one was a podcast that I like binged to listen to. It was the Masters of Skill podcast by Reed Hoffman. And back then, like I did a lot of traveling, spent a lot of time on the road at my time at Equipter. And I just like listened to these stories, entrepreneurial stories of, you know, different tech startups, Airbnb, Instagram, and a lot of these other, you know, stories and just heard the snippets of their stories and it sparked a lot in me of ideas, but then also just the guts to actually do it, you know, when you actually see other people doing it and being successful in it. Um, it gives you sometimes the confidence you need to push you over the edge. Sure. Certainly can give you that desire and confidence as well. Yeah. I definitely, I'm more of like a story learner. Like you give me a book that's all like full of the exact tactics of like how to do it and all of that stuff. I'll usually disengage pretty early. <laughs> um, sometimes I wish I could get through books like that a little bit easier, but I, I, I'm a pretty practical learner where I like, I see the general story and it's like, that's usually how I uh, learn dovetailing that question, mentorship has come up consistently on episode after episode of how key that has been in the development of, you know, successful people. And obviously growing up in the family business, watching your dad, working with your dad, that's had to be a key relationship. But I'm curious, have there been other really important relationships along the way that have helped you get to where you are? Yes, for sure. I'm a fairly young guy. I'm about 30 years old and I'm definitely self-admittedly say I know very little. And the more I learn, the more it seems like, and the, even the longer we grow as a business, the more and more it seems, the less I know. And things that have helped fill those gaps for me though, I'd say above anything else, 
have been relationships, you know, actual relationships with, with people that have been there, done that, and just them being willing to walk line alongside me, open for conversation. I really recommend, like, I don't even often put the relationship mentor, like, as a title on it. I feel like some people are quick to do this, like, oh, here's my advisors or here's my mentors. And it's just more something, you know, to check off the box. But do you actually have real deep, meaningful conversations with people that make a difference? Like sometimes is we want to have like the highest caliber of mentors. It's like, oh yeah, Grant Cardone is one of my mentors or like, because I met him one time or I read his books or something like that. Like, I think it's more value if you find people that you can actually have genuine relationships with and have real conversations with versus, you know, trying to have a big name in your back pocket to impress people. It's not an ego thing. Like it needs to be a real value. To really glean anything from it, you have to, you know, have that humility. You know, you referenced earlier the humility you uh, are have front for yourself of, I don't know everything and I, I have to learn. And if ultimately learning is just an ego thing, you're going to assert yourself along the way. So that's awesome and refreshing. And yeah, as someone who prays to have a level of humility and operate that way, to me, it seems like a no brainer because everything would be a heck of a lot more scary if I went into it thinking I had it all figured out in the first place, I would think. Yeah. It takes a level of humility and transparency that's scary a little bit as well. Like, putting on a facade of everything's always okay will also be a way to short circuit real value. Like you need, if you do have relationships with mentors, advisors, you need to be willing to completely transparent, open the hood up and actually discuss the real problems that sometimes you're even scared to admit yourself. And you need to talk about those things. Something about being vulnerable, right? It's, uh, yeah, you can't, if you're not honest in the first place. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing all that and uh, being vulnerable here of, uh, in that same way. Well, this has been great. Love hearing your story and picking up these tips and tactics from you. Um, we are reaching the end of, end of our time. But before we wrap up, I uh, did want to invite you to participate in something we have fun doing around here called our Rapid Fire Question Round. Uh, so our listeners are accustomed to it at this point. But as always, if Sam agrees, he does not know uh, what these quick hit, sometimes silly, sometimes a little more serious questions are. Sam, are you willing to roll with us through rapid fire? 100%. I'm always down for everything. Awesome. Here, So we'll alternate these questions here. I'll let Todd go first. And there, I don't think I've said there's seven of them. So you, count you on my fingers. have to bear, uh, bear with us through seven. Okay. Question number one, what is your favorite hobby? Okay. Used to be like photography and videography. Now it's food. <laughs> Cooking or just eating? Cooking. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, this time of year now we're getting into smoking meats, grilling, all of that. But this winter a lot, it was like a lot of like seafood, like anything really. Awesome. Very cool. Question number two, do you prefer the top or bottom half of the bagel? Top all the way. Especially on everything bagels. So my, my, my wife, she's learned the art of sourdough about four years ago. 
like she teaches classes and has a whole brand around it right now. Shout out there, retbakes.com, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> but she means sourdough bagels, everything bagels, and it's the top all the time. Big slather, cream cheese. Let's go. I'm there with you. Question. Oh, what was her website again? I'll make sure I hear that right. Retbakes, R-E-T, bakes.com. Awesome. I, I thought you said rat bakes at first. And I'm, <laughs> more I'm thinking, I'm thinking that just doesn't sound good. <laughs> Ratbakes.com. Check it out. Question three. If you could trade places with anyone in the world, who would you trade places with? Myself. Yourself. Awesome. Like I have four young kids right now, like a wife. We just had our 10th year anniversary and I pretty much have the best life in the world because of those humans. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. Bliss. So where do you want to take all those humans on a bucket list vacation? Australia. That one's been on my bucket list for like 15, 20 years. Like ever since I was like a teenager, I'm like, I want to go to Australia, but never been yet. It's a long flight, but a neat place to visit. (laughs) Okay, next question. What's the worst haircut you've ever had? A buzz cut. Buzz cut. Definitely a buzz cut. I never had one. Last one was probably when I was like 13. (laughs) Question number six. uh, This is a, yeah, a standby, old standby question here in rapid fire. If you had to eat a crayon, what color would you choose? My dogs go for red. So let's go red. (laughs) It must be better than the other colors, according to them. Okay. That's the most unique answer we've had. I like that. Haven't had dogs before the date crayons, so good, good deal. Okay, last question. What is the best advice you've ever received from someone? Ooh, all right, all right. I'll, I'll choose this one. That, that's a hard question. That's a hard question. But what comes to mind is, and there's a number of, of folks that have really encouraged me in this over the past years, is you have to believe in yourself. Like whether you're starting a business or what, whatever you're doing, like you have to have the core belief of, of, of that you can do this. That's a good answer or good advice. Like it. Powerful. Well, thank you so much, Sam. This has uh, been a pleasure of blessed uh, me to have this conversation. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to cover before we wrap up? I don't think so. This was great. I really appreciate this. It was a great time. Really enjoyed it. Thank you again. Uh, for those that want to get in touch with you directly or, or Boost Point, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, more info on Boost Point, just go to boostpoint.com. And then uh, for myself, LinkedIn, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So uh, maybe connect with me there, just LinkedIn forward slash Sam Byler, I think it is, uh, B-E-I-L-E-R. Thank you again, Sam, and thank you those of you for listening and tuning in to another episode of Construction Disruption with Sam Byler of Boost Point. Boost Point, helping companies solve the skilled labor shortage through better marketing for the ideal candidates and employees. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. As always, we have many more great guests on tap. And don't forget, if you would, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Uh, So thank you again. God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption.